0: Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of the GCSAA podcast. I'm Scott Hollister, your host and the editor-in-chief of... GCM Magazine. And as always, I'm excited you've decided to check out this episode of the podcast. We have been fortunate to push out a lot of great content in the year and a half or so since uh, launching the podcast. We've had conversations with innovative superintendents, golf industry leaders. We've taken deep dives into GCSAA programs and initiatives. So if you've missed any of those previous podcasts, let me encourage you to dig through the archives of the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. I can tell you that you will find a lot of great stuff if you go and do that and I think we have a lot of great stuff on tap in this episode as well as we welcome one of the leading minds in the uh, turfgrass research arena uh, to the podcast and that is dr. Tom Nicolai from Michigan State University you may know him better as the doctor of green speed Uh, And while that's not on his business cards just yet, it is an apt title for someone who is uh, one of the leading experts on matters of putting green maintenance and how those practices impact both the health and the quality of the putting green. He is a well-known presenter and educator, a regular columnist in the pages of a magazine that is near and dear to my heart, GCM. And he is also the host and creator of the Turfgrass talk show at the Golf Industry Show in short, He's a fascinating, well-spoken, and he's sometimes controversial figure in golf course management. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome Dr. Tom Nicolai uh, as a guest on this episode of the GCSA podcast. And if that wasn't enough, uh, the knowledge that you get from our conversation with Tom will not be the only thing you get out of listening to this episode. Uh, in the spirit of the season, we are giving you something else, and that is GCSAA education points. For the second time, we are producing this podcast in cooperation with the education department at the association. So GCSAA members will receive .08 education points just for listening and enjoying this episode of the podcast at the very end uh when we do our uh exit from the podcast uh, i will give you an event approval code that you can use to have those points added to your records either by going online to gcsaa.org or by calling GCSA headquarters so make sure to stick around for that and my thanks to everyone in the education department for their help in making all that happen As always, we want to thank everyone over at Bayer for their continued support of the podcast. They remain a company committed to helping golf course superintendents thrive through a combination of great technical expertise and innovative solutions like Flex Solutions and the Stress Guard line of fungicide products. You can learn more about Bear and their entire product line by going to es.bear.us and clicking on the Turf and Ornamentals Management link at the top of the page. Once again, that's es.bear.us, then Turf and Ornamentals Management. So here we go. With all that said, it's episode 16 of the GCSA podcast in my conversation with the Doctor of Greenspeed, Tom Nikolai. Hope you enjoy it. Well, over the course of these episodes of the GCSA podcast, we've been fortunate to have a lot of great guests, Um, really industry leaders, uh, really smart people uh, in the business. And, uh, despite that, I'm not sure how many of them I would safely assign the adjective world-renowned to, but our guest today, I, I think I'm pretty safe at, at doing that, if for no other reason than his uh, his travels around the globe uh, uh, that we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, his official title is Senior Turfgrass Academic Specialist in the Department of Soil and Microbial Sciences at Michigan State University. but. You probably know him uh, better as the doctor of green speed. He is uh, one of the foremost authorities on the mechanical and cultural practices as they uh, pertain to golf course putting surfaces. He's the author of a book, The Superintendent Guide to Putting Green Speeds. Uh, He has conducted countless studies, and research products, uh, projects into the cultural mechanical practices on putting greens and how they affect speed and health, hundreds of presentations worldwide, uh, the creator and host of the Turfgrass Talk Show at the Golf Industry Show, which we will talk about uh, later on in this podcast, and maybe most importantly, the bi-monthly author of Up to Speed in Golf Course Management Magazine, and uh, I'm uh, excited to welcome Dr. Tom Nikolai from Michigan State to the podcast. Tom, how are you today? i um,
1: a little nervous after that introduction. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's that's my job as the host. That's that's my job as the host to put you on edge. You did it. Well, all, all well-deserved, and uh, I appreciate you uh, taking taking some time to talk with us uh, today. Uh First off, uh, one of the questions I ask most of the guests on the podcast, just to start off, is to kind of share their personal story, how they got uh, into a career in golf, into a career in turf grass management. So. Um, uh, I'll, I'll plead ignorance and say I don't know a ton about your story uh, of how you got into the business. So, uh, just kind of t- tell us about your path into a career in turf grass management. You know what what first attracted you, and uh, and, and maybe when your focus began to shift towards the research uh, side of the business. Um,
1: okay, I
0: suppose.
1: I can go back to my youth. I had—I uh, think I was eight years old when my dad bought me my first set of clubs, um, and I started playing golf at a place called Lilac Brothers Golf Course. Um, among that, all my hobbies growing up as a kid were primarily outdoors. Uh, I wasn't a big TV fan when I was young, um, and besides that, I uh, would mow lawns, uh, doing the push mowing of lawns for neighbors and. Got a job uh, doing Christmas tree lots for about four or five years in a row. Again, outside. I did some outdoor construction for a while. And then out of high school, um, I didn't go to college. I took a job at a factory. And when I was in the factory, I would sometimes... It's amazing that you can be like 19 years old and 20 years old and think life passed you by. Because uh, uh, you didn't go to college yet. And I just thought it was beyond me. Um, and and one day something kind of special happened in the factory. As I was having a conversation with a gentleman. And just off the cuff, I, really, I said there were 50 states in the union. Um, he said no, there were 42. Um, we kind of got into this yeah. debate started talking with other people, and no one came up with the number 50 but me. Um, we went into the lunchroom, and this is more of a machine shop factory type thing, and in that setting, um, I I said, okay, West says there's 42 states in the union. I say there are 50. How many, you know, would you put West straight? Not a single person that worked there knew there were 50 states in the union. Wow. Uh, I decided that my mind was going to turn to mush if I stayed there. <laughs> so, so I literally put on a backpack and traveled, uh, for a year and came back and then took a job, uh, working on a golf course with the Lilac brothers and the Lilac brothers were two twin brothers in their seventies. And me who was 21 at the time, I believe was the entire ground crew. Um, and, and that's where I really grew to love working on a golf course, uh, with the conversation about how many States in the union and working for those two gentlemen, uh, that sent me to college. Uh, and you have to imagine that when I took my internship at Oakland Hills, uh, for the, uh, U S open in 1985, um It was quite a change from working for the Lala brothers, um, but it got me focused and I really, I really loved it. Um, so that's how I really got into turf grass. Uh, and then the research side, how did I get into that? Um, uh, I graduated from the two-year turf grass program at Michigan State. Uh was a super, well, I was out four years. Uh, my wife wanted to go back to MSU. We had our son. She wanted to go back to MSU to get her her um, master's degree. And I decided, well, if she's doing that, I might as well go back and get my bachelor's degree. While doing that, I worked at the turf center, uh, something that I wish everybody had the opportunity to spend at least one summer doing. Uh, I started working for Dr. Branham. And Dr. Rogers doing studies with things called plant growth regulators uh, and, and was then stunned by how much difference there was just in in uh, herbicide plots. If you spray herbicides and you say, oh, some kill this one and some doesn't kill. It. And it just really opened up my eyes to that whole side of the business. And uh, I sort of got I sort of stayed there. It was just a, a good way to go
0: when when did you so as your interest grows in the in the research side and you begin to you just really i'm sure there was a you were kind of like peeling an onion finding one more interesting thing after another was, was there a, a particular point where where that work turned towards putting surfaces and putting greens and, and things like green speed do you recall a, a an, an instance that kind of flipped the switch for you that said man this this stuff is fascinating
1: uh, uh yeah um uh, after I got my, my bachelor's degree, and actually while I had my bachelor's degree, I was doing some PGR work, um, with, uh, Dr. Rogers and Dr. Branham. And I was, uh, asked if I would speak on field day. The field day at Michigan State back at that time, uh, we did about 800 people coming Holy. to field day. And, and one of the things I was going to do was show uh, PGR Greenspeed study. Um, this is before Primo. Okay. <laughs> and I did all the research. I went to the library, loved being in the library. I've always been a fan of history. And, and, and this closer this came, the more, the more I, I realized that I wanted to know everything about that, about Greenspeed. And when I went to the library and started reading things about green speed and sort of self-educating myself, I found there wasn't much literature. Um, um there was just a lot of, things. there was the history of the stint meter, which is terribly interesting. And there was some studies that would take one or two green speed measurements on a, uh, on certain things over the course of a year. Um, and that kind of opened up a window to me going, wow, uh, there's some work here that can be done. And and after I got my bachelor's, I actually left and I went out. and I was uh, assistant golf course superintendent uh, for about four or five months. Um, my wife wasn't done with her master's yet, so I didn't stray far from campus. And then Dr. Paul Ricci called and asked me if I would come be his assistant and stay through the World Cup because we Michigan State had a big hand of getting the World Cup into the Pontiac Silverdome and we were going to grow grass indoors.
0: Yeah, I recall that.
1: Uh, Yeah, part of the reason I took that job, Scott, uh, wasn't just because of the research, but it was like, we're going to put grass in flower pots (laughs) inside a stadium (laughs) for the biggest sporting event in the world, There's no way I was going to miss that. (laughs) So that took me to campus where I was doing research and, and one thing led to another. And then I started finding out that while there wasn't much data on rolling and lots of other things. So uh, Paul Rickey allowed me to do some side studies and, and that's basically where it really got started. And, and a lot of that was because knowing there wasn't much data in a way, I was just taking that data for me, thinking that when I get done, then I can go out and know more than anybody, and that'll help me get the best job as a superintendent at a really good country club. So that was, a lot of the impetus was, I'm getting this data just for me. <laughs>
0: and little did you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's,
1: yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know if I've overstayed my welcome, but I'm still here at Michigan State.
0: Do, do you ever? Uh, how, how often do you, is have they finally torn down the uh, the Pontiac Silverdome at this point? I, I, know for, I know for a time it, it was it was kind of there. I'm curious. I mean that 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 was a that was of just a groundbreaking attempt to put a living plant inside a a a sports arena like that a dome's a dome sports arena. I'm mean, just you ever do you ever see that facility and just go I can't believe we did what we did when that World Cup was there.
1: It is absolutely mind boggling that how that project changed my life um, there was people by the name of Dr. John Sorokin, who was you know an undergrad at the time uh Dr. John Steyer now both of them at Tennessee uh they were doing the research for for low light conditions inside the silver dome. I on the other hand was uh laying the sod out in the parking lot and filling the trays with soil and uh um cutting each piece of sod with a sawzall to make it fit into the hexagons <laughs> uh, uh, and uh so i was i was just pure labor in that and it was great and and to ask your question about the silver dome it finally went down the first time they tried to blow it up it didn't fall <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. But yes, it is gone now.
0: <laughs> well, it's a a monument to a turf grass innovation that no longer is there. But I we got as you as you've mentioned, a lot of people in the business will remember that for a long time. Well, back 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 to the golf side of it. Um, <clears throat> it when the, the moniker Doctor of Greenspeed is that? Did that? Did that? How did that come about? Um, is, are you are you self titled, or did you have folks who uh, who uh, who stuck that on you? Uh, uh,
1: perhaps a little bit of both. Um, um, uh, there's when I was doing my research at Michigan State University for several years. Uh, John Roth worked under me uh, and uh, knew that I was gathering all this Greenspeed data. Uh, Don graduated with his bachelor's and went to work with Mike Morris up at Crystal Downs Country Club. Um, now I got a chance to, and, and Mike called me one day when Greenspeed was a really big issue at his golf course. Uh, his general manager didn't even want to go in the clubhouse because people were complaining about it on a, a daily basis. And Mike called me, and only because Don worked with me... <laughs> And now Don was working for him. He called me up, and I'd never known him before. I just knew he was a man of integrity. And he asked me if I would help him with this green speed thing. And and I think the original question was, uh, is it possible to have the same green speed day in and day out? And, 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 and my answer was, I don't know. Let's see. And so that set us up on a career of doing what I was doing on research plots and doing it at a very prestigious golf course to try and try and answer that and many other questions along the line. Then we started doing a turf school It started out being turf two hours. And, and that was, uh, called taking control of green speed. Uh, the next year it grew to four hours. And I think the next year it grew to eight, uh, through the, I think 10 years that we did that school. Um, um, the biggest single complaint, even when it was eight hours, was this school's too short. <laughs> and and, and and a lot of that was because, uh, you know, I, I I attribute a lot of that to Michael because it wasn't just some research dude standing up there saying, here's the data, as much as Mike could then verify the data and tell stories about how he implemented. So that worked really well. Uh, beyond that, somewhere early in that cycle, I got a call from a publisher and we were chatting and... He told me he was going to ask uh, Dr. Jim Beard to write a book on Greenspeed. And I went, why? And he said, well, you know, he's the most renowned professor in the world, which he is. <laughs> um, I went, but I know more than he does. <laughs> so, so he's like, what? And I went. I have all the data. I know he doesn't have it. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> the guy made some calls and got back to me and said, "Okay, you can write it." And that's how I ended up writing the book. And the funny thing about while I was writing the book, there are a lot of people in the profession that you know the names of, uh, from a, yeah. you know like Earl Danny Berger to to Jacques to and go on and on, and they'd say. Isn't that a pamphlet and not a book? (laughs) And and I think the book's 105 pages long. And I remember calling the publisher the day before the due date. And you being a publisher, you know what due dates are. They're dead. They're just dead, right? And uh, I called up and said, you know, if you give me four more months, I can make this about 180 pages. And they went, no, it's due tomorrow, Tom. (laughs) You're done.
0: (laughs) Um, that, yeah, that's part of our part of our job. Part of our job there is to to re- rein you in.
1: Yeah, to show you how ignorant I was, I was kind of perplexed. <laughs> 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 um, in any event. Um then the, because of the Greenspeed School and the book and the articles, uh the staff um such as Lisa Wick and Teresa Carson over there at GCSAA. Several years in a row were calling me, um, the Greenspeed Doctor. And I really okay. think years passed. And, and one day one of them called me the Greenspeed Doctor. And I went, you know what? I don't like being called the Greenspeed Doctor, but I don't mind if you call me the Doctor of Greenspeed. And <laughs> there was a look of like, what? <laughs> And I went, you know why? Because Doctor of Greenspeed, the acronym is DOGS. And I like dogs. So, so, so th- that's how that came to
0: be. Is, is, it, is that on your business card in addition to your official title with uh,
1: Michigan State? Um, I've used it on and off. And I'm 60 years old now. And I decided that I'm going to embrace that title for the rest of my career. <laughs> I actually had someone make me a logo recently, and I'm going to use, I, I've not put it on a card yet, but I'm going to use it. It's an ingenious logo that spells the word dogs, and it looks like a putting green. <laughs> 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 and so, I, so if someone draws you something like that, you just kind of go, oh, I'm going to, I got to go for that. that that'll yeah. work. So. Yeah, so I I will hold that. Um, for a while, I think I was very embarrassed by it, like, because it made me seem like that's all I do or that's all I've done. Um, but, but, uh, it, you know, one day I just went, and this is, you know, get over it, Tom. Just accept it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I should take it as a compliment instead of, uh, you know, I, I always thought that a, a person with higher ambitions uh, could have really mass marketed that a lot better than I have. Of you know, I don't do Facebook. I don't do the, the 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 all the other the things. See, I can't even name them. Blogs. Yeah. But, yeah. If you do that with with the Doctor of Greenspeed moniker, or write articles for a, uh, uh, professional golf magazines or, or Golf Digest. Uh, I could probably make a lot more money.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, mer, there's merchandise opportunities and hats and T-shirts and everything. I mean Yeah, it's, it's like I,
1: I, I've thought about it, but I've, I've never quite gone there. <laughs> my, my research and teaching schedule is busy enough, I suppose. Yep.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, along along with that moniker, I know, uh, can can bring, especially as sensitive a topic as green speeds can be uh, at individual courses and for individual superintendents when they're dealing with a membership that either doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand, you know, um, how how those speeds are produced and why they may not be able to be produced all the time at a, at a certain facility. Uh, I know carrying that moniker has brought along a little controversy uh, in in your career, um, how have you how have you reacted uh, to those situations when they've arisen? And ultimately, have you have you found them to be good or bad? Have they advanced maybe an understanding uh, of what uh, green speeds are and and how they I- impact a, a golf course?
1: I, I would hope the places I've gone to um, have have. Yeah, I mean, I I. I I would say 99% of the time when I'm asked to come in and speak to a greens committee, it's been about greenspeed. Um, if I'm going to go talk about greenspeed to a greens committee, then the number one thing I want to do is get to the course first, see what it's like, uh, see what the shop is like. Um, um, you know, what can they do? And then try and make it realistic. And every single time I've walked into a Green Committee meeting, introduced as the doctor of green speed, it's pretty natural for at least 90% to 95% of that Greens Committee to be treating me like um, I'm going to tell them something they don't want to hear. (laughs) Right. And, And, Cause they've heard it and, and I will stand up and go, first of all, let's get one thing straight. Speed does not kill. Ignorance does. And if I open up with that line, um, they kind of open up their ears. I don't ever tell them they can't have what they want. Uh, but I will tell them what I th- think it takes for them to get there. Uh, I always suggest doing a survey. A blind survey um, that I call the Morris method, and people can look up and read about it. This it uh, it's the study, it's the the method we did of surveying the golfers at Crystal Downs back in I think two thousand and one. Okay, two thousand and one. It's now two thousand and nineteen when we did that survey at Mike's course up at Crystal Downs. Uh, the blind survey said that over eighty percent of the the members like the green speed between uh nine and a half and ten and a half. Uh this is two thousand and nineteen. That's still what they're going for. Um so by going by that that speed, uh, you can do your budget and all that kind of stuff. But no, I I really enjoy when I get to talk to members. Um, um the stip meter is a tool a tool that measures and you cannot manage what you cannot measure uh i'm a big advocate and have pushed for people to measure at least one putting green every single day throughout the year um and and i've gotten a lot of people thank me over the years uh because once you do that you're doing you're, you're finding out how everything reacts to a speed and if you're, if you get, if I can talk people into saying, come up with the best green speed for your course, uh, you can save money and increase customer satisfaction. Um, or let's say reload, relocate money because you can save money on your, on your putting green with inputs by, by manipulating it to stay within that, that, Edge. And one, one thing, this was one of my favorite ones ever. I visited I, the fastest green speed I've ever seen measured at a golf course in my life. Uh, I won't mention the course. Um, but I went to visit them and they, this, the superintendent, and this isn't easy to do, was getting green speeds of 13 and a half to 14 feet on a daily basis. And they were complaining the greens were too slow. <laughs> um, I, so I went, I said, okay, take me around this course. We went and looked at the course. I went in and told the members, I said, you don't have a green speed problem. <laughs> you have a slope problem. All your green is flat as a pool table. <laughs> Modulations in them. And then you'll be telling them to slow them down. <laughs> so I don't know what they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. It's not, I've tried, I can't get them that fast, and I'm trying to kill grass. Yeah, right. <laughs> At the turf center. That's
0: incredible. Yeah, when you uh, and you mentioned the stint meter, and I, you you hear, it, it's a common refrain in, in our business. Um, you you'll hear people say that it's one of the depending on your opin, uh, opinion of the stint meter. Obviously, um, it, it's just it's been bad for golf course management and bad for superintendents. And I think the implication being that the general membership, the general golfer, uh, can't assign uh can't can't correlate a, a speed with what it takes to produce that speed they and they you know and as your here's the Dr Greenspeed telling one of the fastest he's ever seen recorded is 13 and a half 14 and you'll hear golfers all the time reference speeds quicker than that at various at various facilities but I, I think clearly by your statement you think the the stint meter and the ability to generate that data to help guide decisions has been a good thing for golf
1: I I think it's an excellent thing. Uh, you know, the, it was invented by, you know, Edward Stimson back in 1937 and then it was Al Radko of the USGA who who decided that they needed a way to measure green speed and, and a person by the name of Frank Thomas was the, the uh, technical engineer. I bet that's not his real label. I'm sorry, Frank. Right. Uh, but uh, Al Radko asked him to to make a uh, a way to measure it, and what he did was modify the stemp meter. And uh, uh, I never met Al Radko; uh, he passed before uh, I had that opportunity. But I have talked to people that told me that you know he wrote articles, and you can go back and look. So excited about the release of the stint meter and within a year two years later he's writing articles called slow it down <laughs> um, and i was told that he felt like the step meter was his frankenstein's monster and and if i if he can hear me on the other side of the the divide between life and death i would tell him i think it's one of the greatest inventions ever done and 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 i know a lot of superintendents now not the majority, but they use it as the tool that it was intended to be, and that puts them in charge of educating their clientele, and like I say, you can save you can save money if you know what you're shooting for so i, I that's where I stand. <laughs>
0: Well, that's uh, that, that's that's fascinating stuff. Time flying by here. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, uh, Tom, and then we will uh, we'll be right uh, right back. We'll talk a little bit about lightweight rolling. We'll talk about the Turfgrass Talk Show, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, let's take a break from our conversation with Tom Nikolai to tell you a little bit about the good folks at Bear Environmental Science, the presenting partners in the GCSA podcast. As anyone who has worked with the company for any length of time can tell you, the company has a well-earned reputation of working with uh, customers to maximize turf performance by catering to their needs so they can spend time doing the things that really matter, both on and off, off the golf course. This month, Bear wants to extend appreciation to their customers and give thanks to those who support them and their golf courses. Whether it's a dedicated employee or a loyal customer, displaying gratitude never goes out of season. As a company committed to helping its customers thrive, Bayer is dedicated to providing technical expertise, As well as innovative solutions needed to maximize turf quality and reduce stress at every point during the year. Enjoy this season and discover the possibilities with proven solutions from Bear. You can learn much more by going to es.bear.us/slash healthy-turf. Once again, to learn more, that is es.bear.us/slash healthy-turf turf our thanks as always to everyone at bear for their continued support of the podcast and just a reminder for me to stick around uh from the for the final segment of this podcast when we will give you an event approval code so you can receive gcsaa approved education points for listening to this episode of the podcast now we go back to our conversation with tom Nikolai. Okay, we're back, and uh, Tom, I want to uh, kind of pivot the conversation now. Um, and um, you, you have, as, as I mentioned in in the uh, the intro, you're a regular uh, contributor to GCM. You've written some feature articles, obviously some research uh, pieces for our uh, our research section. Um, you have. Uh, I'm curious as it relates to green speeds. If, if you had a piece of advice for a rookie superintendent walking into one of their first uh, jobs in charge, um, wh- what would you, what would you tell them? They, what, what do they need to know about green speeds? Uh, what should they be looking for? And uh, you know, why do you think it's a key to maybe their their success in their in their first job at the, on the golf course?
1: Uh, step one is use the stent meter. Um, measure green speeds at least one green daily, uh, measure it from the exact same spot and roll the three balls in the exact same direction uh, back and forth and get a daily green speed measurement. Why would I tell a beginner to do that? Because you're going to find out a lot about your golf course. Um, it's self-teaching. And then when members. See you. And I, I would take that even further. Do it once every morning and then once every afternoon. Uh, keep the data. Why keep the data? Because now you are the expert at your facility. Um, so if members have questions, you're the one educating them. And that makes you look uh, <laughs> and rightfully so uh, to be the expert, because no one can be the expert about that topic. Uh, more than than a superintendent, so that's the be- that's the place to start, and you figure out what all your inputs have an impact on it.
0: Well, kind of spinning off into that, I want to, I want to turn the conversation a little bit, and these are obviously intertwined, as I as I imagine you will you will explain. But I want to talk a little bit about lightweight rolling and the impact that it can have on um, on putty green speed and health. Um, when did you first? You've kind of your your research and interest has sort of. Uh, uh, dovetailed in, into that area. Um, how did that begin, and, and why is it still such a big part of, of what you talk about, educate, uh, communicate about as it relates to putting green health and maintenance?
1: Um, <laughs> the first time I ever saw a lightweight roller um well (laughs) let's just say a roller i was uh working at oakland hills in the 1985 us open they hosted it that year uh one of my assignments uh was to clean out the shed clean out the maintenance building and i'm cleaning out the maintenance building and there was this overhang oh probably about four feet high and you had to duck under, and I pulled every single piece of equipment out and swept the floor, and in a very dark corner, he couldn't even see. It was like there's no lights under there. There was a machine I couldn't move, and I went in with a flashlight, and I looked at it. I didn't know what it was. I called the assistant over. His name was Tom Gray at that point, and I said, what is that? And he goes, oh, that's a roller. And I said, what is it used for? And he said, Nobody knows. <laughs> and, and then years passed, and I'm at the turf center at Michigan State, and it's a field day, and a vendor had brought a roller. And it's just sitting on the green, and everyone was laughing at it. And and it was just became a joke. And I thought, well, here's something someone should research. And I expected my full anticipation – was it was going to cause compaction. I was sure that it was going to spread disease. I was sure that it was going to bruise the leaf tissue. I was sure that it was going to dry the plant down faster and cause more localized dry spot. And I was wrong about everything I was sure of. Wow. Um, so... Uh, it's, I, it's the most incredible tool I think you can have on a golf course outside the fact that we need mowers. Uh, the second thing I would say you have to have is a roller because a roller can create, uh, huge benefits, uh, that, that help, uh, everything from helps suppress disease, weeds, uh, minimize moss. Um, localized dry spot uh, and and potentially depending upon the time of the year if you take daily green speed measurements you know that you can decide to roll instead of mow which means you can save money and all of this can create increased customer satisfaction by the way when I was at that US Open in 1985 no one rolled the greens <laughs>
0: And now that is, that is, uh, you spend any time around a major now, the, the rolling of greens is you're probably, they're probably rolling as frequently, if not more so than they're mowing, uh, during the week of championships. So it just, it just goes to show you how, how quickly, uh, practices and, and thoughts, thoughts can change. I imagine you don't, you don't run into many skeptics now, um, as, as you look at the benefits of light rate rolling, as you probably did back in the day when you first started, clearly you had your own uh, skepticism about it. Um, do, do you still encounter that? And, and how do you sort of counteract that when you run into people who question the the value of, of rolling?
1: And for, for the younger people, you'll like this story. In 2000, well, first of all, when I discovered that, that rolling decreased dollar spot, which is Pretty darn significant. And I mean, I had research plots with 90% less dollar spot over time. I mean, that's significant. Um, but when I was discovering these benefits, uh, I remember calling up some roller companies in 2001, trying to get them to give me a roller so I could do studies with their rollers besides just the one I had. Um, there was one particular company. I remember getting a hold of the president of the company and I said, Hey, um, I'd like, uh, I'd like you to donate a roller to MSU. And he immediately said, you know, we have, I already donated a roller to Nebraska. I already denied it, donated a roller to Penn State. He said, so I don't really see why I should donate one to Michigan State. And I said, First of all, you got a problem if I don't know there's rollers at those two universities. Second of all, I don't want a roller, I want a roller and $8,000. <laughs> so any event, I went to the the Orlando, uh, I was in 2002, I gave a, a, a talk called Lightweight Rolling more than just a speed machine. It was I think a half hour. The first question I asked an audience of superintendents of some 400, 400 people was, how many of you roll on a frequent basis? Not one hand went up. I then went on to show all the supportive data. And when I got done, my friend Don Roth walked up to me and he went, you just sold 440 rollers. (laughs) And not only that, the distributors walked up to me and said, we'll give you the roller and the $8,000 do your research. (laughs) So um, people were angry and mad at me. And to answer your question short and directly, um, there are still people that look at me that don't know about rolling. and And it amazes me. Um, um, so getting, getting the word out isn't always easy. Um, and, and, but, but, you know, I, all the way back then when people were literally, they, people were literally putting their finger in my chest and yelling at me and saying, there's no way one of those will ever be on my green. And my response was always, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's up to you and uh, you talk about communicating you wrote a, a an article for us for GCM back in uh, 2014 uh, that was the uh, top 10 reasons to lightweight roll golf course greens and uh, I would I would encourage listeners to, to check that out head to our archives and, and check that out if they haven't already uh, read the story but um, were, were there any are, are among those 10 reasons Tom are there any that you, that you feel are, are are more important than others things that if you know, gosh, I only had one or two things to tell a skeptic about the benefits. These are the things that I need to tell them.
1: I'll cut it down to three quick ones. All right, the time. <clears throat> one, um, I was stunned when I did the research and found that if I rolled every day, rolled every single day, and mowed every other, I retained the exact same green speeds is if I mowed and rolled daily. Okay, same. (laughs) So if I could do that, if I can roll every day and mow every other, I'm saving money on, I'm saving money. Because a mower costs a lot more to operate than a roller. Because as far as I know, no one's ever had to sharpen the bed knife on a roller. No one's ever had to check <laughs> the height of cut on. It. It's just more maintenance free inside the shop. Uh, it's a lot easier to get a wet round of course as well. Uh, and then there's So, so the fact that if you measure green speed on your course, you have a speed you're going for, you can manipulate it to save inputs save labor that labor can be working somewhere else that morning whatever um the other thing is just disease suppression um by the rolling and and you know back in my book i suggest you know i and i wrote that quite a while ago uh, my big suggestion was was you know we know 3 times a week is safe my my newest recommendation based upon the rolling research that has been performed is uh roll a minimum of every other day to a maximum of two times a day. So I've changed that a bit. Yeah, uh, the research has taken me to those numbers um, but the disease suppression is huge uh, Dr. Vargas has recently done a study for several years that had major implications in Canada uh, which had to do with rolling and rates of fungicide and you could get those fungicides down to below label rates and get the same suppression as full label rates as long as you were rolling on a daily basis that's financial savings and it's good for the environment and finally The last reason you like weight roll, which is actually the most important reason, customer satisfaction. It's all about the golfer. You want to keep them happy, they'll keep
0: you happy. And uh, truer words have never been spoken. Um, I want to... Wrap up, Tom, and, and thank you so much for your time. That I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have to, uh, have as well. I want to wrap up today and, and talk about the Turfgrass Talk Show. Uh, uh, a little, a little top of mind here. Golf Industry Show 2020 in Orlando is just around the corner. Uh, the the latest edition of the, or most recent edition of the Turfgrass Talk Show will take place there. That's Monday, January 27th, 3 to 5 p.m. It's irrigation in the 21st century. So I, I guess two questions for you. This is a, a brainchild of yours. Uh, so I would ask, you know, how did you come up with the idea? How did, how did this all come about? And maybe just a quick plug for what will take place in Orlando for folks who are listening and uh, uh, looking for something to uh, to educate them on. Uh, why, would, why would they want to come? So uh, I'll let you tackle kind of both ends of that one.
1: Okay. One, um, we've all been there. If, if, if you're if you're listening to this, I, I'll assume you're in the turf industry, the golf industry, and I'll assume you've been in seminars. And we've all probably been in a seminar, and I was in one on this occasion when this thought came to me. Um, when... When, you know, you have a superintendent, he's the moderator, he's supposed to keep people on their half hour, 50 minute time slot. But if it's a professor, they tend to let him go over. Yeah. And I, and everyone's sitting there looking at their watches. And, and now we're like 20 minutes over when this person's supposed to be off the stage. And I just thought, you know, if this was on television, it was a talk show, there'd be a commercial and do you just end this? <laughs> and that was sort of the impetus. And I thought, wow, well, wait a minute, what if we just create a talk show and we charge for commercials? And if we charge for commercials, well, hell, we might as well have a band. And just that's just sort of how it started. And I did a couple here in Michigan, um, and GCSAA allowed me to do it. Um, which I think was, you know, kudos to them. Um, and so that's how it started. And, and another thing, too, when you go to a normal one, they usually tell, you know, speakers usually tell you, you know, when I'm done, ask questions. And part of the talk show is, no, just ask a question when you want to. Okay. It's just do it. Um, so it's a, it, it, it's, it's, so this year we have, I think seven speakers because irrigation is such a big topic that we're going to get a lot of things quickly from, and I'm I mean, really excited with what we have put together this year. Um, this year and is the last two years it's funded by true turf rollers. So I give them a spot. Yeah. Out out. Um, Uh, Basically, Ray told me, Ray, Ray Dufty's owner, True Turf Rollers, and he told me that as long as I keep doing this, he will sponsor the Turfgrass talk show because I made him a millionaire. Uh, So, so, because I sold some rollers, I guess, or the research did. In any event, uh, so you should come for three reasons. Uh, one, uh, it's Monday from three to five. So it kind of starts the program. There's live entertainment. Um, it's a great show we put together this year. I'm really, I'm, I'm really a buzz about this one. When you walk in the door, Ray Dufty and his family are going to give you two drink tickets. <laughs> because nice. after the show um, the band goes out and we have a place where everyone goes and there's free hot food and cold food uh, and you have your two drink tickets that so you can get a beer or wine with and Ray usually buys really good beer too <laughs> And why not? It's the first it's, you know, it's the first day of the talk. It's the first day of the GIS. Why not meet all your buddies from all over the country there? Get a good education. Have your first couple cocktails on the house and then go out to dinner. So it's a good meeting place. It's a good education. And it's also uh, a little bit of free food.
0: You can't beat any of that, and as a journalist who uh, who's built his career on the search for free food, I can tell you how enticing that is. So um, <laughs> I I know um, <clears throat> I know it's become one of the most popular uh, events that, that we do at GIS. And of the education team uh, really appreciates the, the the efforts that you put into uh, to make it a great one. And this one in particular sounds sounds awesome. Again, Monday, January twenty seventh in Orlando, three to five p.m. It's Irrigation in the Twenty First Century. At the Turfgrass Talk Show. Well, Tom, listen we we covered uh we covered quite a lot of ground from your uh, your first job to uh, now your uh, next job as a television host uh, on this. But I uh, I I I know the listeners uh, will have appreciated this. I hope they learned something, and I appreciate you uh you taking some time to join us on the podcast today. So thanks very much. Really really enjoyed it.
1: Well, thank you. I'm both honored and humbled. And and uh, and uh, I'd like to just give a shout out. Happy holidays to all. I hope it's a meaningful one with your families. And may you all have a healthy and profitable new year. Thanks. D-
0: ditto, ditto from us, Tom. Thanks again. Thanks. Well, that puts a bow on another episode of the GCSAA podcast, episode number 16. My thanks to Tom Nikolai for his time and the great conversation about his career, his work on green speeds, lightweight rolling, all matters of putting green maintenance. And of course uh, our conversation about the role he plays in the Turfgrass talk show as I record this just a uh, few short weeks down the line at the 2020 Golf Industry Show in Orlando. As promised, here's your payoff for listening to my conversation with Tom and that is uh, education points from GCSAA. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, association members can receive .08 education points just uh, because you listened to this episode of the podcast. And, and here comes the important part. Uh, to do that, you're going to need the event approval code. And that code is, I hope you're ready, pen and paper ready. The code is 999-23048-30414. Again, that code is 999 dash two, three, zero, four, eight, dash three, zero, four, one, four. And I got a little sneaky on you here and I actually snuck uh, that approval code into the show notes of this episode. So if you wanna verify that you've got the code correct, just go into the show notes. on this podcast and, and you can double you can double check that so with that code all you need to do is go online to gcsaa.org and update your records there or if you prefer and you'd like to speak to someone in person to do that you can always call GCSAA headquarters uh, at 800 472 7878 seven, eight, and the fine folks in our finance and member solutions area will help you take care of that my thanks once again to everyone in the uh, education department here at gcsaa for working with me uh, to make this a reality uh, we, we've done this periodically uh, previously uh, in our uh, uh, podcast i believe in october with dr jim brosnan from the university of tennessee so it's something uh, we will uh, continue into uh, 2020 before you go, I want to encourage you to dig into the uh, podcast archives and check out previous episodes of the GCSAA podcast that you might've missed. You can find those wherever it is you get your podcast. And while you are doing that digging, uh, I'll ask you to go ahead and please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on all those same services. It really does help us and it actually helps others find the podcast when you do when you do things like that. So wherever it is you get your podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or another podcast service, Service, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate it if you could do that. We will be back really soon with another episode of the GCSA podcast. But until then, on behalf of our producer, Evan Bissell, the good folks at Bayer who partner with GCSAA in the production of this podcast, and all of us here at GCSA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, I'm Scott Hollister. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays from all of us. And we'll catch you again real soon on another episode of the GCSA podcast. Take care.